This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies ed tech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and it helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of different tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com forward slash B-E. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Tell Me This. I am your host, Carrie Borkowski, and I am so happy to be back with the ladies. I'm going to call you the ladies. I have Danielle, Carrie, and Brianne to talk about um, Dancing with Discomfort. If you remember, we did a part one conversation. If you haven't listened yet, please go back and listen. Um, it was so much fun to have that conversation. And so we just couldn't get everything in and we promised we would do a part two. So here we are. Welcome, everybody. Thank you. Thank Thanks you. for having us back. Yeah. Oh, come on. The, the enthusiasm. <laughs> Thank you for having us. We're so excited. <laughs> yeah, we're all about showing up authentic for this podcast, but I'm going to ask that in that authenticity, you bring some enthusiasm, please. <laughs> They really are. Yeah, I know. I know. So no worries. So it's funny, Carrie, because like seconds before you hit record, we were all over the place and then I just got very serious. I know. It's because that lady who comes on and says recording in progress (laughs) makes you feel very serious. I know it's a bit of a, this is such an eighties term, but it's a bit, bit of a buzzkill, right? Like the lady, cause I almost thought like if I could see covertly record, cause some of the conversation you have before is so rich and awesome, but like she, she interrupts everything and says recording in progress. So I can't get away with that anymore. Um, so we, in the first conversation, if you remember several weeks ago, we really just dug into the beginning of the book and I was trying to characterize sort of what the sort of umbrella topic was. And I felt like it was sort of about both what it means to dance with discomfort and also sort of the the behaviors or traits or mindsets that we bring into this space, you know, and if you listened last fall to the the series that Danielle and I did, you saw that come up time and time again around curiosity, showing up as a learner, um, being reflective, intentional. So we really dug into those characteristics. And I think today, unless unless Carrie, Danielle, and Brianne have other plans that I don't know about. Um, We're going to try to dig into, I guess, the sort of second part or latter part of the book, which is around this framework. Um, And I said to all three of the women here that I'm, I'm actually more excited about this part of the conversation because you know, like everything we do, um, and as I've said in the podcast, I'm a work in progress. This book, I feel like is a work in progress. And I think the framework is a place where it was sort of my idea, my sort of, you know, first crack at trying to structure this work. And I'm just looking forward to hearing 
um, critical feedback and ideas and thoughts from the folks that are on this podcast. So I don't know if someone has a place they want to start with this. Carrie, at the end of our last podcast, you proposed and something I've been thinking about since then is really digging into the framework. Yeah. I was really excited to, if nothing else, explore that in, yeah. today's, in today's meeting. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it sounds so formal to say meeting, Carrie, but yes, <laughs> our, our, our meetup together, right? Well, yes. I've known how I was just rambling right before our lady interrupted and hit record. <laughs> It'll it'll I think come we back. Should name her. Yeah, I know. It'll it'll come back. Give it give it another minute, Carrie, and you'll you'll find your rhythm, I'm sure. So so for folks who, you know, maybe maybe the the, the easiest place to start is digging into what we mean by this framework, right? Um, so for folks who haven't read my book, please, first of all, please pick it up and read it. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you haven't read the book, the the framework really has um, multiple pieces to it includes, you know, warm up and rest practice and intervals and this idea of performance. And, and when I set out to build this framework, the thought was, where do we start with this work? Right. And how do we go about this work? And I wrote down in my notes, everybody, and I, this has been on my mind lately and I can talk about it later. Why I've been thinking a lot about belonging and belonging in action. Hmm. Like, what does that look like? And so my hope is that maybe the framework is a step towards that, right? Like learning to dance. What does it mean to dance with discomfort? We all know what it feels like. It feels messy, uncertain, worrisome, anxious. Well, if, if we're not supposed to run away from it, if we're not supposed to avoid it, if we're not supposed to sort of put our hands over our ears and pretend it's not there, what do we do? And so the framework was sort of my attempt to answer that question. And so... Yeah. I mean, where would you guys like to start? I mean, I'd love to hear, you know, your reactions, your feedback, your thoughts, any, anywhere you want to start. I'm, I'm game. Well, it's interesting that you talked about belonging in action, because I think that draws back to the paradox of my Angelou's paradox of belonging, belonging to yourself and belonging to, to others. And with the training program itself, I'm still, and I hope maybe you all can help me flesh out the belonging to others. But where I'll start with the training program, particularly with the warm up into the training phase, it's both very self oriented and collaborative in the mm -hmm. sense that you are engaging with other individuals, you are seeking feedback, but you're also grounding in yourself in the sense of, you know, you're the only one that could be consistent with this. And what I liked, what I drew back to this, and actually, as I was going through the book again the past couple of weeks, and then I'm also doing a separate coaching course with one of my friends. I kept coming back to consistency over intensity. And that mm -hmm. seems to be the key piece of this framework is all the way from the warm up to the performance. You expect the performance to be this glorious celebration. And it is, but it also has to maintain that consistency from where you started. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I'll start. I don't know if anyone wants to help me flesh out that belonging piece or move into some other types of reactions that you had to this framework. I yeah, think it I, makes sense to sit with the warm up for a minute. Yeah. Um, let's. To just sort of start where Carrie starts us in the framework. And mm -hmm. I think the consistency over intensity is something that I've noticed in my own practice. And Carrie, like we said on the first episode, one of the best parts about this book is that it's so relatable. And I just found myself connecting 
with examples, you know, throughout, really thanks to the examples that you provide, I could think then about how that translates to my own experience. And one of the things that I had written about in the critical reflection chapter was this idea of doing a brain stretch with students, you know, when they were not particularly engaged and what could we do differently to start off a class? And it was really just an exercise in kind of recall and getting everybody to share their voices. So that was pre-pandemic. Now I still do a ritual at the beginning of every class, but we call it a check-in and it's so different. And the purpose of it is really different. So um, it's really to check in with the students as a whole person and kind of just where we all are right now. And, um, you know, I, there's some mention in, in the book a little bit later about journaling and, you know, journaling is great. And really it's all about the quality of the prompt. Mm -hmm. And so I think that I try to be intentional about the prompt. And sometimes it's just funny. Like on Valentine's Day, I was looking for something and I found one online that said, you know, ask your students if they would rather eat all red food or all white food for an entire week. <laughs> and so funny because people are like, well, Alfredo versus marinara. I mean, what would you sit with? And <laughs> it just was a great, fun conversation. And other times it's more serious if I can kind of sense the mood is intense or whatever. So um, the point of a war, I, like you can't skip the warm up. I think is what I've, I've learned. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even on the Peloton, there's always an intentional warm up period. So that resonates with me also. And I found I was doing some mid-semester check-ins with my students recently, and all of them commented on the check-in and how important that is to them. Mm -hmm. So I think you were right on with the focus on that and never just jumping right in. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I just, I, th I think for me, th the warm up is just a reminder that um, if we want to get to a certain place, whether it's in what we're teaching, what we're learning, what we're talking about in a meeting, um, what we're sharing in a hard conversation, we can't get there immediately, right? We, we can't, we just can't. Um, and it could be lots of reasons. It could be really a practical reason, which is I'm like running from another place and need to settle in, right? So it could be really logistical, just like I'm busy right now and I need to sort of shift gears. Or it could be, you know, I've, I've, my life experiences have put me in a place where I'm not sure I'm ready to trust you or trust this group. Right. So the, the sort of like, are we ready for that conversation? And the thing that came out to me in the warm up was this idea of readiness. I keep talking about readiness. And, and I think as an instructor, I used to make assumptions based on my own lived experiences that if I say, let's have a conversation, my students would, would show up and have a conversation. And I mean, that sounds so simplistic and naive and it was because that's just not true. And so there's a lot we need to do um, to ready ourselves, to settle ourselves. And in coaching, we talk about a couple of things. One is designing relationships, which means what do you want to build into our conversation today that you need in order to, for us to have this conversation, right? We call it group norms, group expectations, designing relationship. The other thing that we like to do in coaching is I always want to ask what's here for you today. So like it gives people the opportunity to say, I'm having a really lousy day. And so if I seem a little bit low energy, that's why it has nothing to do with this conversation, right? It's just giving people permission to show up authentically. So for me, the warm up the word that comes to me with the warm up is just readiness. Like we, we just can't jump into anything for all sorts of wild, swirly reasons, messy reasons. And we need to, we need to hold space to ready ourselves. Right. 
Going back to Danielle's statement about belonging to others as well, like mm-hmm. I also think about the brain science in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the overly simplistic explanation of it, says the former English and history teacher, um, there's four chemicals in our brain, right? There's two good ones, there's two bad ones. When we feel connections to the people that we're learning with, engaging with, that promotes oxytocin. And and with oxytocin, we feel belonging, right? Like our basic needs are being met and our brains are literally more conducive to having the openness that they need to learn. So it's it's Mm -hmm. sort of like a yes and consideration and it 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 double stamps like in in client services which is my world we tend to do connecting activities and it can be something just like we've talked about to Brianne's examples it can be really silly it can be really sincere um and and in that that creates the space that 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 we cultivate for each other absolutely yeah I love I love that I think too when you talk about the relationships and having those chemicals, then understanding the group expectations and norms back to Carrie B. When you were talking about that, um, the piece that I keep coming and just because I'm aligning this to the work that I'm doing right now is this aspect of accountability. And um, I had a post-it on page 196, Carrie, where you said, as individuals or groups engage in this work and form new habits around experiencing transitions, it's important to provide scaffolding and needed supports to practice in these moments of transition. Then you go on to say how it provides guide, it guidelines, vocalize, and publicize the tools needed and those available to contribute to our transition work. That to me, in terms of scaffolding habits in promoting those resources, that's accountability. And it's awesome actually that I'm reading this and also going through this work of transitioning, finishing a program, my doctorate program, and starting this new goal that I have in this group because I'm seeing it in action. I'm seeing the accountability to create those habits. I don't know if I would have sat on my computer and finished my IRB this morning. And then after this work that I'm doing, started outlining some of the new goals that I have for this new project that I'm really excited to share. If I didn't have this group accountability, this group norms, expectations, and then this shared vulnerability, when I do, you know, make a, a contribution to this goal or when I don't, you know, when I don't show up in the way that I should be. So I think that's really important. Um, and, and especially as you explained that in this, this chapter of the book, it was chapter nine, the warm up and the rest. Yeah. And for folks who don't know, IRB is institutional review board related to human subjects research. So no, it's no worries. I just want to make sure no one feels excluded by our, our alphabet (laughs) soup. So I love um, how you're humanizing all of these terms still, Carrie. (laughs) Try, I try, I try. So yeah, for sure. I want to just jump in with one more thing about readiness. And I was so happy you put it in here and it was not sort of where I was tracking, but when you talked about organization um, and what came to mind was like buying your school supplies and getting ready for a new semester and um, it, nesting really is what came to mind for me, like preparing for a baby. And you have that like really primal need to do that. And I have it every semester and I've been teaching for a long time. And that to me, I really appreciated that you highlighted that because it's such mm-hmm. a different type of readiness from yeah. what I'm talking about with students, but it's sort of like grounding yourself. And I need to go through that process every semester of literally out with the old, filing the old things, mm-hmm. all new organization, all new supplies to sort of ready myself to then engage with my students and my colleagues. So I think mm-hmm. there's readiness that happens you know, for us as individuals and then together. Yeah. I mean, I think 
you know, I'm glad that resonated with you because I, I think what I'm trying to articulate, and I know it still has work, is we 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 do this in our other aspects of our life. Like we're intentional about pre- preparation and readiness and you know, whether it's fitness, whether it's school, whether it's, you know, going into a meeting with a client, you know, as Carrie Miller was sharing, we do this, we already have the skills. And if I look at brand with the appreciative inquiry, like we do this well in other areas of our life. It's just this, this, this discomfort thing often feels really ambiguous. Like it's just this thing. And we have these immediate reactions to it, which usually aren't the best way to handle it. So, you know, I think for me, the other thing that was really important in that chapter, and I think this is why I put warm up and rest in there is because one, you know, I, I, I want, I want to reframe what rest is, right? It is work. And actually I, I, I geeked out a little bit and dug into the literature on rest and it is another form of work. It takes effort. It takes time. It takes planning. It's just a different, important kind of work. The other thing is, I, I said earlier when Carrie Miller was talking, we we need to learn and prioritize holding space for these things. I mean, that's what it comes down to, because I can think of a recent conversation that I had with a parent around a classroom and the kids, some of the kids being really uncomfortable. And her immediate reaction was take that thing out of the classroom that's making them uncomfortable. Immediate reaction. And what I said is, well, hold on a second, like, let's interrogate what's making them uncomfortable, right? Like what's making them uncomfortable? Is there something going on with the student? Is it something in the classroom? And just really um, interrogate that. So just, I just keep coming back to holding space, right? And being really intentional. So I don't know, those are the things that sort of came up for me. I, right before our podcast submitted, um, members of our leadership team take turns each week writing an article for Mm -hmm. a newsletter. And I actually cited something that I learned about at Johns Hopkins in my doctoral program, which is polarity mapping, guys, Mm -hmm. 2014. Um, But this, uh, I I, I can't help not only because it is quite literally fresh in my mind minutes Mm -hmm. before the podcast started, but also thinking about intentionality within it. And, and what, what I wrote about was an, it stemmed from an interesting conversation with a colleague earlier this week about um, this, this dichotomy, this paradox, this, these polarities, if you will, um, about being in client services and about this notion that like by being an education consultant, our work is people. We are hired as people to do work with people to improve student learning. And so the polarity, if you're not familiar with that mapping process, is the idea is that these are two things that you can identify. Breathing is a great example. And you need both. You have to breathe in. You have to inhale. You have to exhale. Um, You can't do both simultaneously. You can't exist with these two poles simultaneously. But you have to have both. So you have to take this sort of both and mentality and name and articulate both the benefits and the unintended consequences of each pole. Yeah. And so it, 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 what, I, what I wrote about, and I'm getting back to dancing with discomfort, I promise. <laughs> um, what I wrote about though, was, was this idea of this, this, this um, pole that exists about being client facing, about adding value, about improving student learning, about having impact in the conversations and in the relationships and all of the benefits of that, but the unintended consequences of just doing that all day, every day, 
are that I'm not going back and like working my expertise, doing mm-hmm. some research, like kind of going back behind the veil, if you will, and solidifying, reflecting upon thinking yeah. about what's happening and then the way I need to show up, the tool I need to develop, the thing that needs to happen in order to continue to have the impact that I need to yeah. client. And, and it, it, it relates, I think, Carrie, to the to the framework of, 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 of um, how we plan in the work in, in yeah. thinking through these processes because of that blend of like the doing and the engagement and the relationships, but then also that intentionality. Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's why I cited, um, or it's related to my reasoning for including Phil Maffetone and his, you know, slowing down, right. Slowing down to speed up. And it's, it's legit. Like he's got quantitative data. He's got, you know, amazing runners who have done gone through it. And I think that's the idea is that not only is it, is it valuable to have that space in the moment, it's also valuable to have that space for the other moments where you're busy and running and working with clients. And so just like, remembering that is sometimes not easy. So I like how you brought that in Carrie M and then Carrie B in terms of the slowing down to speed up. When I read your book and I kept thinking about the, each element of the training phase, the slowing down to speed up is that, I guess that grounded strategy that you can use day to day. And what does that look like? Right. That Mm -hmm. looks like what you said, the journaling that looks like the discussion prompts that looks like the, um, and when you talked about each training phase, I I kept going back to those keywords where you talked about this idea of reset of readjusting your focus Mm -hmm. of reclaiming the moment of staying focused, of practicing presence. Those are constantly intertwined in the training phases themselves. And that is just a constant idea of slowing down and checking in on yourself again and again. And so when you were talking about creating space, I kept thinking about, okay, well, what does that look like on a day-to-day? If I were to just tell a novice person who's just engaging in this work, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. And again, it's the constant pursuit of slowing down, checking in and, you know, journaling by yourself or having that discussion pieces. I think that's always big for me is what are those strategies that people can constantly use to slow down because it's easier said than done. Absolutely. Yeah. I I don't know if any of you, oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, Brianne. Nope. Go ahead. No, I just was thinking about as Danielle was talking, I don't know if any of you heard Brene Brown's Unlocking Us on March 9th. It was um, with Karen Walren. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Sorry. I just loved it so much. Yeah. Right. And it's, I feel like it's what you're talking about because she was talking about being really dedicated to finding the joy in every day and Mm -hmm. kind of a gratitude journal sort of idea, a little bit more robust. And that when she just forced herself to do that every single day, so it was part of her practice. And so when her house was literally swept away in the hurricane in Houston, Mm -hmm. she still did that. And those practices were the things that got her through those days that were really, you know, horrific. So as I was listening, I was like, wow, that's incredible. I just really appreciated hearing the other side of it. Yeah. And yes, we know the practices, right? But it's just about the consistency of the habits. Totally. Yeah, it's like what you said earlier, Danielle, the same thing came to mind when you said consistency over intensity, because yeah. that's not a long exercise that she engages in every night. It's just something that she does, you know, without fail. Yeah. And it's the, it's consistency and related is that accountability that Danielle, you mentioned earlier, because I have found in the coaching that I do with students and, cl- and other clients is, um, 
it's it's calibrating the accountability, right? So you might have a session with someone and you'll say, well, let's try this. And then they sort of, they come back. I just had a, a, a coaching session this week where the, the person had postponed our meeting because she wasn't able to, to do the accountability. And I said, well, let's schedule a session and talk about what's getting in your way. Like that to me is like, you know, so what we recognized at the end of the, that session was we needed smaller accountabilities. The first one was just too much mm-hmm. and it's, and it's little. So I said, all right, let's try for an hour, right. Or for one day you decide, do this thing that we talked about. And it's just, so it's, it's calibrate. It's also calibrating the consistency. Cause if you like, you could set an accountability goal, but so with your project, for example, Danielle, like if you said to yourself, you know, I'm going to move mountains in two, in two months, well, that might not be a very good, you know, sort of intentional thing. It, it needs to be um, surmountable, right? You need to, you need to, you know, create small victories for yourself too. So um, yeah. So I think sometimes the coaching, there's no magic to the coaching. I mean, I think it's magical, but I think at the end of the day, it's having another person or persons who are checking in to say, we talked about this thing. How's that thing going? Oh, it's not going well. What's that about? Right. Like that's that's where the magic is, is someone giving you space to talk about why you are or are not keeping up with that consistency and that accountability. I mean, to me, that's where the power of coaching is, is that piece of it. So I I have to say that I really want to hear some critical feedback around the intervals and performance piece, because I, I'll tell you that um I am happy with the way it turned out. I can make sense of it for myself. And I wasn't sure when I wrote it, how it was going to land for others. So I would just love if you are willing. Um, I think we've done enough readiness and preparing to have this conversation. Um, I just love to hear like reactions and I'm okay. If you say, I didn't like this part or I don't understand this. That's, I think you should know me by now that I'm okay with that. So um, if you don't mind me shifting gears like that, I would love to hear, I don't know if you had thoughts about those pieces of the framework. Well, I'll say with performance, I don't, I mean, look, like you speak, you're speaking our language, Carrie, especially with this. And I think with the performance, the intention, I think what your intention was, and you could correct me if, if I'm wrong or I had sort of misread it, but I really think that the performance was this, it, you tried to, or you reconceptualize what we mean by performance. I think typically we think of performance as this peak moment and you sort of said, no, no, no. Like performance is just one facet of the transition and the process. And when you brought back curiosity and learning mindset, that to me was like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. No, I'd seen that in other parts of your training phase and in other parts of the book itself. Um, and so that I think was a really good way that you brought, brought us back into transitions and process being this ever continuous thing or facets of our life. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked up on it. I don't know if others had picked up on it, but I thought that, that was a really good way for you to tie in those pieces, um, related to performance. I think Carrie, like Danielle, I resonate with the concept of intervals, mm. um, as someone who, for whatever reason, I think it's in part because I'm very extroverted. Mm-hmm. And I'm also somebody who feels 
like my, my comfort zone tends to be when I've got a little bit too much on my plate and I don't necessarily have to go deep um, into things. If, if, if I have permission to do a bunch of things and finish them quickly, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm in my flow state, right? Like that's mm-hmm. when I'm, when I'm jamming. And so I resonate conceptually with the concept of intervals. I resonate with it as an educational professional. I resonate with it as a runner in both of those avenues. I hate doing it. (laughs) (laughs) And and so the thing I'd say is not critical feedback because I do conceptually think it's right. But as I, as I think through, and as I've started to work to apply this process, when I can name the transition, the thing, the thing where it's appropriate to do, um, it's, it's hardest for me, Mm. but I don't know if that's because I'm me or if that's because it's a little, it's, it's, it's conceptually right, but a little bit counterintuitive. And as we think about the place where we are, where our definitions of certain things, like I'll stay in the professional world rather than getting into the running world, but like our, our definitions of performance and success are so Mm. oriented to goals I find any way that sometimes it's hard to reconcile or justify rest and recovery. And sometimes it's hard to justify intervals as an element of this process. Um, so yeah, so all that to say it's, it's not, it's, it's, it really expanded my thinking about what this process can look like and be it's hard, it's hard to do and candidly harder to justify Mm. as one of the steps in the process. And I'd love to hear, I'd love to hear what it looks like for this group as it's, as it's applied. I mean, I think Carrie and I, well, we met earlier today for another meeting. And at the end I was like, okay, so we're talking about this podcast and I was describing, you know, some transition that I'm going through at work. And I was like, I loved your framework. I really can resonate with it from an athletic standpoint. It makes total sense. I'm like, what stage am I in? <laughs> what, what, what do you think? And it was really helpful because for me, what I took from that conversation was that I'm definitely in a high interval and I hadn't noticed it enough to say that. I think I'm just like spinning so hard and so fast. So the name, the title of the book, Noticing and Naming, I think there's so much power in that, Carrie. And it's like, take a step back and look at what's going on. I couldn't even place, I've read this book. I wrote part of this book and still I'm like, where am I in this whole thing? You know? Um, and so I think that everybody's coming at it with a different set of challenges. If you ask me where I am with my Peloton or with running or with rowing, we're, we're golden because that, it just makes so much sense. I think where it's just feels so much less comfortable to me is the, is the mud of life yeah. and jobs and that kind of stuff. The discomfort that I think you were really targeting. Yeah. In the book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I really, I think at the end of the day, I mean, look, as I said, sort of discerning practice and performance was a struggle for me too. And I went back and forth and edited. I mean, it's funny because I feel like the first six or eight chapters just like, you know, just dumped out of my brain onto the paper um, with lots of editing. And the last couple of chapters, I did a lot more, you know, editing and thinking and retooling. And I think at the end of the day, whether you call it practice with intervals or performance with intervals, I think at the end of the day, what I'm trying to build in to go back to Danielle is this consistency in practice. Um, You know, I can tell you that initially the intention was whether it's coming through or not, that the practice phase was you've readied yourself, you've 
in some ways in your head created a commitment to this kind of work. And the practice phase was my attempt to say, now you need to put yourself in some situations that feel scaffolded, that feel courageous. And I, I hate the word safe because it means so many different things, but in a place where there's trust, there's some no knowledge of expectations and put yourself in a place where you're going to churn up some dissonance. That's what I thought the practice phase was intended to be. The performance was really, and I feel like I'm in the middle of a high interval performance transition right now. And it's performance because it's not so much that it's expected or unexpected. It's way higher risk. And there's a lot more uncontrolled uncertainty. So like in the practice phase, you're it's you're creating situations to push yourself into discomfort or to experience discomfort. And in the performance phase, perhaps there's way less control and management. And you can't pull out of it if you feel like you've you need a break, right? Not as easily anyway. And so that was really the initial tent. Now, at the end of the day, if if the if a reader just learns that I need to pay more attention to this and practice these things, I'm really, really happy about that because that's the goal, right? Is that we I mean, at the end of the day, I, and I know you guys have heard this many times. No, um, noticing, naming and navigating are fundamental to me. And I like even as the person who's written the book, like I have paid so much more attention to myself over the past year. And I'm so excited that I feel like these are becoming my own habits, right? Which is the goal. So I don't know. Yeah. And I don't think I would say just noticing and naming. I feel like that's really powerful. And yeah. what you give us is so much beyond that. So it's the tool to notice. And like you helped me this morning. Okay. So I'm reading this and oh my gosh, you're right. I was so in it that I couldn't even see where I was or am. Mm. Um, now that we have that conversation, look how much there is for me to, to think about and to yeah. be really intentional about getting out of that high interval. Right. And like shifting down a little bit. And yeah. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say good. it's funny because when I, I had to give a, a pretty high stakes presentation this past week. And in the Q and a part, um, someone asked a, a question and, um, I said, can I take a moment? I need to think of an example. And I almost a hundred percent believe that a year ago I wouldn't have been able to do that. Mm -hmm. And I, I really a hundred percent attribute it to like, I'm like, okay, I'm, I want to, in my brain, I was like pausing. I was taking the pause and I was saying, do I want to, do I want to reply immediately or do I want to reply with a good answer? with an answer that I feel good about. And it was the second. So I was like, okay, what do you need in this moment? I mean, I went through this very quickly. What do you need in this moment? I need a second. So ask for it. And I took the second and, and I know that sounds weird, but like legitimately, I think it's because I've been practicing noticing and interrogating and asking for what I need. I don't, does it work every time? No, of course not. I'm still working through this, but like, I think that moment was because of the work, you know, that I've tried to do in the past year with the book and stuff. So, 
I don't know. That's such an important moment because I think that's easier to do in practice, right? It's okay to do in practice, but um, in that high stakes situation and, you know, you described before, like there's less control. There is less control inherently when you're on the stage versus practicing. Mm -hmm. Um, And yet you still had some control. Yeah. Right. Because you, you took control of that moment. Um, So, yeah, I think that's a huge lesson. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And I think when you talk about that example, you were able to do that because you created the environments and the conditions to do it back to the practice. Mm-hmm. And in those high stakes environments, like when you know about research on stress, right, you're going to revert to the things that you already know, or the things that are just automatic. Cause that's just how we as humans sort of react to these things. Um, but it's about creating this responsive, I was going to responsive response, responsive, you know, condition or action based mm-hmm. on what is being presented to you. I think the one thing that, um, I would like to see from you, Carrie is, um, I, is some just like extra guidebooks. Like I loved the part Mm -hmm. where you talked about the journal. Maybe it's like, this is a workbook in itself and like a testament, I think to all of like my notes and my post-its, but even just pulling out some really, um, amazing prompts where you even talked about, um, I had opened up to one of the journal prompts where you said just five minutes, check in how you're feeling and what are you thinking? And that to me is just so powerful in those practice and performance stages Mm -hmm. to recognize, Oh wait, like, you know, I'd underestimated how hard this period of practices was going to be. Cause you know, I think in thinking in my time now, and in terms of some of my planning and practice, yeah, I know practice is going to be really hard, Mm -hmm. but do when we're truly in the moment of it, you're like, Oh my God, it actually is much more difficult and uncomfortable than I thought it would be. And it's like, no, duh, you knew that going in. (laughs) But then when you're in it, you're like, Oh, like, I feel really like, I don't feel that great. Like, and what does that great mean? Like, I feel uncomfortable. I don't feel enough. I feel, um, you know, disappointed that I wasn't able to sustain this period of practice as much as I could. And having those check-in moments Mm -hmm. of your feelings and your thoughts, I think are so powerful. And I love how you included that in the book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that, Danielle. I've been, you know, I've been really noodling over like how to create that sort of guidebook I've had, you know, cause I, I almost feel like it's like, there needs to be like a, an offer of coaching along with reading the book. Right. Cause, mm-hmm. and, and what you're talking about is like what's coming through in Brene Brown's Atlas of the heart, mm-hmm. what comes through in Mark Brackett's work on emotional intelligence, because like, you know, it, going back to what Brianne was saying, like noticing and naming is so huge, like interrogating your emotion. Right. It's, and, and you said it too, Danielle, which is like, I, I don't feel good well, what is that? Like my next question to you as a coach is what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does it look like? What does it feel like? And then you're really like, Oh, I wasn't, I had a coaching session a couple of weeks ago and we were talking about confidence. And I kept saying, if I just had the confidence, if I just had the confidence, I could do this thing. And, and the coach asked me, well, what, what do you need to give yourself permission to be confident? And my response was, I would never give myself permission to be confident. Mm. And she said, what's that about? Well, long story short, what we realized is what I was asking for wasn't really what I wanted. What I really wanted was to show up authentic and vulnerable. (laughs) Seriously, my, I know that sounds so hyperbolic, but my mind was blown because like all that was, was someone taking a word like confidence 
and helping me to interrogate it. Why am I so like, I don't want, I need that thing, but I don't give myself permit anyway. Like it's interrogating. Right. And it's what you said. It's like peeling it, peeling it, peeling it till you get it at its essence. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I love and it. Then, yeah. Dara, go, go ahead, Carrie. No, no, you're good. I was just going to say, then tying that thought to it, right? Like you might not have felt confident or that you felt anxious or fearful what was the thought? Because I don't feel enough. And then really getting deeper. Well, why don't you feel enough? Right. Like, do you have the evidence? What information do you have to show that you don't feel enough and totally. interrogating? Well, you know, why not? Like what, yeah. what if I just thought I was enough and worthy and as yeah. I am? So yeah, yeah, I like that part. Yeah, for sure. And that, that goes deep to that with noticing, naming and navigating. That's the navigation piece, right? Like Brianne said, we can't just do the first two. We have to, we have to move through that as well. Um, Carrie, I I love giving people what they ask for and, um, I'm grappling with the critical feedback, uh, but it's interesting that as Danielle was like, you know, it's, it's, it's something like a playbook. I love your idea. Like coach with Carrie Borkowski, like that is great as well. And one other consideration is now that this is out there is, is there a supplement in the next 18 months that goes along with this? That's like case studies of like, Brianna just laughed because she's like, no, I'm not authoring. I'm not adding like <laughs> co-authoring to my point. But, but is, you know, of, of course, of course, this framework is so highly customized and it's so contextual to the person and the circumstance. Mm-hmm. But here, here, here's how it looks. Like here, here's how it looks when I, the co-author of this book, I'm so in my transition that I need support of a colleague to Mm. know how to name it. And here's how it looks when I'm not in that spot and I can really proactively plan. It would be really compelling to see, you know, like here are, here are 12 stories and, Mm. um, um, of, of, of how we have, how we dance with discomfort. Mm. So I wouldn't call it critical. I would just say, this is food for thought to respond to your question as, as maybe something next. I'm okay simply with critical put, too. I'm, simply put though, the people want more. <laughs> <laughs> At least these three people. <laughs> yeah. It just, to me, invites, uh, and I don't know that book club's the right word. It just invites discussion. I mean, I've given the book to the people in my world who I feel like I want you to read this so we can talk about it and kind mm-hmm. of go deep and um, yeah. and apply it. You know, to me, it's something that, it's really helpful to read on your own. And like Danielle said, there's such great checkpoints and prompts and things throughout, which is awesome. And I just need to process this kind of stuff with somebody, a trusted person, you know, or people. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, nice to have a guide for that. Yeah. I mean, we learned Danielle, I'm looking at you. We learned talking to Ico Bathia, right. That this work is relational, that we can do a ton of stuff for ourselves and we need to come into community with other people to, to do just what you said, Brianne. I think for me, um, and the three of you will appreciate this because you have some research geekiness in you. The, the tricky part for me is scaling because like I can easily see this and I see it manifested in myself individually. And I see this manifested in a one-on-one coaching easily. I could tell stories until the cows come home. What I'm really trying to figure out is how do you scale this up so that it still feels intimate, it feels customized and relevant, and a space where you can really dig into it. Um, you know, and maybe it's not a one size fits all. Maybe it needs to be in different forms, whether it's a supplement and 
and coaching or workshops or, you know, but that's the, that's the tricky part. And I mean, Carrie Miller, you probably have way more experience with that than I do with your, your work with clients. Like the tricky part is trying to scale, right? Um, because you basically have to clone yourself 50 times to do the real, I mean, what I would love to be able to do is just do one-on-one coaching all the time, right? That would be my dream state. Um, but it's just not always possible. So yeah, lots to consider. The more you do, the less, you know, Yeah, (laughs) there, the, that's where the, I mean, that concept of our brains working better when we have a framework, right? Was that brick and, and team and even like, um, Gawande as well. Look at her drop in, drop in literature. (laughs) So impressive. The short list, right? But you know, it's like I have my I have my checklist, and I know that these are our core tenets, and and you have that in dancing with discomfort. And so, if I if I'm doing the work, um, and I've got and I'm referencing this, fantastic. And then if my colleagues, as I scale, are doing it as well, and I know that what's coherent mm. is the framework. I mean that that's that's helpful. And that's then true. what it gets to do it with others too, um, because then you get to expand your references. Um, yeah. Like, yeah. Because of how relational it is. That's true. Very true. So I want to be um, really respectful of time because I know um, we've been going for almost an hour and that usually is a sweet spot with a, with a recording for the audience. So any last words or thoughts anybody wants to add to this conversation? Well, I mean, I said this in the last episode, but in the spirit of gratitude and my own journaling practice, Carrie B, you might notice my journal that I keep with me at all times. Um, But I just want to thank you all. And you, Carrie, I was journaling this week and I had noticed such a major shift in how I've been viewing transitions in the last Mm -hmm. number of weeks. And as I am approaching, hopefully knock on my desk would, um, I'm approaching the end of my doctorate program and then looking ahead at all these projects that I'm excited to take on. And I've, I think this is probably the first time in my life where I use the word excitement. You know, I, I think a lot of times in my life, it's been uncertain or where is this going to take me? And I feel the both end. I feel uncertain and I feel excited to see what's ahead and really dig deep into that. So that's my last thought. And I'm just grateful for the three of you. Mm, Love that. I've actually got gratitude as well. I feel like our first podcast solidified and made concrete some of the key learnings from your book, Carrie. And it was personally talking about them that really helped me name where I was in my own transition, which has um, really enabled me to move, I think, um, to move through it in a way that feels really good, appreciating appreciating where I am now compared to where we were even a few weeks ago when we recorded the first podcast on the topic. So yeah, I'm, I'm, the warm fuzzies are just continuing <laughs> to all of you. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely have a ton of gratitude for the three of you for everything you do and contribute in my space. And I will 
conclude this podcast, I'm going to give Brianna a chance to chat if she wants to, but I will, I know that when we end this podcast, the rest of my day is going to be amazing. Um, cause I just, you know, lighting up my core values, making me feel really amazing. And Danielle's light is going out in her, her office, which is awesome. Um, so yeah. And I just appreciate, you know, that some of this is resonating with you. It feels really good to hear other people sort of experience with the book and, um, it sounds like, dear audience, there may be a part three. We're still noodling on that. There's been a request. I'll keep it quiet and as a surprise for later, but potentially a part three. But Brianne, I wanted to give you a chance to have the last word if you want to have the last word. Ooh, God, that puts me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I think I would just say I totally appreciate the connection. I appreciate the connection with you three and with the book, Carrie, and how the book connects to our lives in so many ways. I just, it's awesome. And I will share that this is a day of vulnerability and openness because it's the first day without masks at our university. And so mm. I just had my first class without masks in a long time. And it was this moment of like, oh, like just this openness, physical openness and breathing of the same air. And with that comes discomfort and excitement and fear and all these things. And I'm like, am I backing up? Cause I don't want to be so close or no, I'm going to move in. Okay. You know, Absolutely. Um, and that's how I feel reading the book. There's, mm -hmm. there's all of these conflicting and wonderful feelings. And I just think that you're giving us vocabulary and tools to name them and, and live them. So thank you for that. Mm, love it. Well, I'm not going to say anything more. I think Brianne said it well, this is a moment of vulnerability connection all wrapped up into that beautiful, messy ball of life. So um, thank you to Danielle, Carrie, and Brianne. It is always a pleasure. And this has been another episode of Tell Me This. And I am your host, Carrie Borkowski. Thank you so much for listening. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, and improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com forward slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all of these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.